Hello and welcome back to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. We're your hosts, Michaela and Kate. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of the PNW Showdown. It's been a minute, we had a little bit of a break here and there, but thanks for sticking with us. And we did have that bonus episode with Nikki Scarlatta, so that was pretty dope. That was super that fun. Was super fun. Love and, talking to and him. And it was recorded, it was like video, video recorded, so you could see us while we were talking. Which is a rare versus situation right now. for the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. Where I was in my classroom today moving stuff around, and I don't, I'm not presentable right now for a video. Uh, we are not presentable video right recording, now. So... So that's that's nice. But hey, we're getting it done. We're making the recording, doing the podcast. So that's good. Here we are. Here we are. All right. Well, we have a lot to discuss this week in we the do. Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. There have been a lot of awesome things happening for mm-hmm. our sports teams. We had the Seawolves draft. We had the OL Reign winning the Women's Cup, which we will discuss a little bit more here later. Mm-hmm. And the best. Mariners are continuing to battle it out for the, the AL wildcard spot. The storm, the storm are in the playoffs or going to the semifinals. All these things. The Seahawks season's really about to kick off here. So we're going to dive into all of that in the showdown lowdown coming up next. It is time for the showdown lowdown. The showdown lowdown. Where you get your Seattle sports news and updates. You do not need to turn up your volume. That was just us speaking very quietly. It was whispering. All right. Well, we are going to kick it off with the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. The Mariners currently hold a record of 66 and 56. They do play tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Okay. So that record could quickly change depending on when you listen because the Mariners have a lot of games still left to play. True. They are currently holding an AL wildcard spot along with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. The mm. Orioles are in the hunt, however, for one of those spots. They are two mm. and a half games back. Mm. Um, you know, and the Mariners just played the Oakland Athletics, who are at the bottom of our division. They're like 30-plus games yeah. back from the Astros, who are at the top of our division. Yeah. And they took the series over us. I know, but they have the cute elephant on their on their uniforms, so. No. I, I like their old-school elephant. Sure. I'm going to go with that. That's my positive thing. So, you know, we lost two games to the athletics in that Mm -hmm. series. That's not ideal. It should have been kind of a gimme win, though. You can't say that in the world of sports, right? Nope. But in terms of being playoff ready and playoff dominant, you have to be winning these games against these teams that should be easier to win against. So as the Mariners go on to take on the Washington Nationals today and over the weekend, um, they need to find wins against that team. The Nationals are not that great. It is expected that they should win those games. So they can't afford to drop them at this point. Um, and they need their offense to continue to show up for their bullpen to support them on that front. Mm-hmm. They have 40 games left in the regular season, and it's time for them to finish strong. Yeah. Uh, manager Scott Service said, uh, with 40 games left this season, we can only play one game today. We can only win one game today. Mm-hmm. We can't win games in bulk. You can't play games in bulk. We're not Costco. Oh my gosh. I love the that. most important game is today's game. And we're going to focus on that one. And we'll go from there. I wish you could get wins in bulk because we would be first in line at Costco. If you could pick them up over there, Yeah, but you can't. So you've got to play every day. And that quote I just thought was so funny. I, and honest, I mean, it's true, right? When you put it in that perspective, 
you have to play one game at a time and people might not enjoy that phrase because it's said so much in the world of sports, one game at a time, one win at a time. Yeah. But you're not playing multiple games all at once. It's not possible. Well, and it also just kind of goes back to the, what we've talked about a lot, which I've been learning with my hashtag learning sports, is that it's like really every game is a different chance for someone to come out on top. Even the best teams will fall to teams that aren't air quotes as good as them, you know? And so that's a great, that's a great reminder for sure to just take it one step at a time, one game at a time. So moving on from the Mariners um, to the Kraken, thank the cosmos that the Kraken re-signed Ryan Donato. If you haven't heard about this, maybe don't follow the things. Um, that was a really, that was a really exciting thing for a lot of people. I could not have been happier to finally hear that he had gotten re-signed. Um, he scored, you know, the first ever crack and goal mm -hmm. and will hopefully do a lot more scoring this upcoming season with his one year, $1.2 million contract. So excited for another year for sure with Ryan Donato. Now the Kraken have also brought on new assistant coach Dave Lowry. Now Lowry was previously the interim head coach for the Winnipeg Jets and he's also played like 19 seasons in the NHL. He's done other coaching at different levels but that was kind of his his latest coaching position prior sure. to this um, onboarding. The, the uh, Kraken also welcomed the Kansas City Mavericks into their minor league affiliation with a multi-year deal. The Mavericks are an ECHL team. Now, ECHL used to mean East Coast Hockey League, but now that it has a nationwide presence, the acronym was changed to become the actual league name. So the Mavericks are going to be entering their 14th season with a record last season of 32 wins and 40 losses. Uh, they are previously an affiliate of the Calgary Flames. Now, with the Kraken now also having both of their affiliate teams in place, um, some folks, you know, might be wondering how all this works and why it matters. Mm -hmm. But so, players on the Firebirds, uh, the Coachella, the Coachella Valley Firebirds—that's our AHL team—and the Mavericks can be on different contracts. So, some will be on contracts just for that team, or they can be on NHL contracts. So since the Firebirds are new, this most likely won't affect much for them. But for the Mavericks, the players on NHL contracts that were continuing this season would most likely be transferred to whoever the new affiliate for the Flames is going to be. Now, at this point, there are seven, well, at least in the last week or so, there are seven NHL teams without an ECHL affiliate, Calgary included, but only three ECHL teams without NHL affiliates. So it's not exactly an even sure kind of thing, but I suppose none of that really is like a Kraken problem and that's fine. Speaking of the Firebirds, um, aside from the reveal of their amazing looking mascot, Fuego. Yep. Don't worry, Rocky, you're still my number one. Fuego seems to have a lot of personality, great costume, great whole look, great, um, I shouldn't say costume, uniform, great whole everything. Um, love following him on social too. He's got, he's got good stuff. Don't worry, Rocky, you're still the best. The AHL team, the Firebirds, are going to be playing four games in the Seattle area in October. So tickets are on sale now for two of the matches. One's at Climate Pledge, and I believe the other one is at the where the thunderbirds play mm -hmm. um so if you want to check it out make sure you kind of go look that up tickets are on sale now and it'd be a great a great way to see 
um, our new affiliate team while they're, because their arena it's gonna is be being pretty built. cool. Yeah. I know that we're going to try to get tickets to go to one of those games just to, mm-hmm. just to see. It's yep. always fun to go see hockey. Definitely go support the Kraken and the Firebirds. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to the Seattle Sounders. Man. All right. The Sounders have fallen yeah. into ninth place in the Western Conference standings for the MLS. Winning has been inconsistent for the Sounders in the last month or so. The schedule for the rest of the August puts the Sounders against teams that are all ranked higher in the standings across the league. So currently, Jordan Morris is leading the team with goals scored with six, followed closely by Nicholas Lodiero, who also leads in assists, and Raul Rudiaz with five each. Christian and Alex Roldan both lead the minutes play as well as assists with five for Christian and four for Alex. This past match against Real Salt Lake was a crusher at home for the Sounders as a goal to lead was disqualified after a call that many fans disputed about the Sounders being offsides ever so slightly. The outcome of the match was Salt Lake 2 and the Sounders 1, a definitely a disappointing loss at home. The Sounders' next match is August 26th at the Portland Timbers. And as many of you know, they are a huge rival for the Sounders, so it's going to be a really big game. Yeah, for real. Be sure to tune in and watch the match on ESPN or go down and attend if you can. Mm -hmm. This will be the first of three matches on the road for the Sounders. And who knows, maybe they will have better luck while on the road instead of at their home field, Lumen. That's a good point. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, Keeping it with soccer. Um, talking about the OL rain now. The Can OL- I just interject here? Okay. I'm going to miss Allie Watt. Well, I, I know, I know it's true. So the OL rain, right. They have, um, they've, uh, they announced that forward Allie Watt was traded to the Orlando pride for $125,000 in allocation money. And so from what's been seen online, it looks like this was very amicable and may actually get Allie uh, more playing time. And like Michaela said, like we're going to totally miss seeing her here. We're going to be fans of her wherever she plays. She's already had her first game with Orlando pride. Um, and actually her first game as she went in within eight minutes of her going in, she scored her first goal for, she did. for the season for her. So that's, that's pretty good. Now the OL rain um, have risen overall in the NWSL standings to fifth place with a record of six, four and six um, on August 7th. So a little while back now, the rain had had their first loss at Lumen field against the Houston dash losing one to two. They came back on their match um, in on the 14th against Gotham city FC to win four to one with Megan Rapino scoring two of those goals and providing an assist. What an incredible Rose game Lovell. by Megan Rapino. It was a great game. And that was the game. No, that wasn't the game. That wasn't the game after the last home game for Sue. That was the August 7th game. Yes. Which that one point that we had was Megan Rapino. Yes. That night too. And that was her first goal of the season was after the storms regular season, last home game. Um, so anyway, moving on, sorry, I got off track. Um, but the win that they had against Gotham City FC, that win also made coach Laura Harvey the winningest coach in the NWSL by having 82 wins, the most wins for regular season matches. And it also put the rain as the first team to reach five wins at home in the 2022 season. So they congrats kind of, to coach Harvey. Yeah. So they've had that's some, a big feat. That's awesome. Had some ties at home and stuff too. But sure. yeah, the wins are the wins are great. So um the rain though. Since we no longer have Ali Watt, they did sign um, forward. 
uh, Jody Uleku, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, to a contract through the remainder of the 2022 season, most likely kind of fill that empty forward spot from Allie um, departing being traded. To the pride. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd previously, Jody had previously played on um, the national team repl- as a replacement player, as well as having played overseas. So not a bad not, not at all person to fill yeah. that spot for now. Now the oil rain, kind of the big thing on that um, more recently is that they were in the women's cup and they actually played in the semifinals of the women's cup against America Feminil of Mexico. Um, and that was took place in Louisville, Kentucky on Wednesday, August 17th. And they won that match two to one. And then on the 20th, they played in the finals emerging victorious over racing Louisville two to one to win the women's cup. So they came out victorious. It was was a big deal. It's a huge deal. It was not highlighted enough. Yeah. It was a big, yeah, it was a big deal. And actually, um, the OL right part of the team, the, um, Olympic lioness. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation and getting it wrong. Anyway, the OL part of that team, um, part comes the ownership group is from France and the women's OL team in France actually won the, I want to say it's a WICC mm-hmm. cup. And I want to say it might've been the same day or the day after. So it's kind of a cool, uh, you know, duality there for those 100%. two sides of the world. Yeah. Now the rain their next regular season match is actually on August 26th. And where is it going to be? Oh yeah. At Orlando pride. So Allie Watt will get to see her team, her former team, I guess, Again. So. Yeah, real soon. Yeah, there you go. All right. So for the Seattle Seawolves, our USA rugby team, on August 11th, it was announced that Seawolves captain Rekert Hatting has accepted a six-month suspension after testing positive for a medication that was on USA rugby's banned substance list. Substance list. Based on a report from the Seawolves, it sounds like the medication was not a performance-enhancing drug and was being used to treat symptoms of a medical condition that Hatting has had since adolescence. It was also reported that neither Hatting or his doctor knew that the medication required a therapeutic use exemption for being a specified substance by the World Anti-Doping Agency. Hatting's suspension should be completed by early February 2023, which means that his play, his suspension, should not impact his ability to play for the Seawolves during the regular season, which should start up in the beginning of March for this season. Now, the MLR draft also did take place on Thursday, August 18th. There were three rounds with 13 picks in each, with rankings determined by reverse standings order, and then were modified by trades between teams. So the Seawolves ended up acquiring four new players. First round pick at 12, Fly half, Shane Berry. Second round, pick three, center Samuel Wiegert. Second round, pick 12, loose forward Neil Moylet. And then third round pick, 12th overall, or third round, 12th pick, prop James Kuahiwinui. Yeah. I hope I said that one right. Yeah, there you go. So we, um, and it sounds like people are pretty excited about these new players that are going to be joining the Seawolves. And so I'm looking forward to it as well. If you're interested in Seawolves stuff, they already do have the season tickets and um, things like that on going on sale already. So if you're into that, check out their website for that. This is not sponsored. We just really love the Seawolves over here. And we got season tickets. Nothing we say on this podcast is sponsored, by the way. Yeah. No, this is all just us saying things to you. There you go. 
Um, let's move it over to the Seattle storm because this has been huge news lately. And if you haven't heard, though, I'm sure most of you had the Seattle storm did clinch the number four seed in the WNBA playoffs. They went up against the Washington mystics for the best two out of three in the first round and didn't even need a third game because they won the first two at home. They sure did. Um, game one was a close one with it being back and forth pretty much the whole time. The storm came out on top in the end, 86 to 83. It was kind of a hold your breath situation. Um, game two, no, that game though. Can we just say, yeah, like it was a hold your breath situation. Yeah. Oh my God. That yeah. over. And I loved, and we'll get into this game too, because we came out with a win. Yeah. But game one, Everything about that game was my favorite, literally favorite professional game I've ever been to in my life. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. The way the atmosphere felt mm -hmm. just, I don't know. There's mm -hmm. something about that game for me that just stood was, out and I was, was amped and I had been up, I had been up since three 50 that morning. Yeah. And it's like, you know, cause you did an, like you did an interview that morning or I something did like that, for yeah. the preview for the Seahawks Chicago game. Yeah. And so I had been up really, really early preparing for that. And it was like nine o'clock at night, the storm win their first, the first playoff game of round one. It was and I am like, I'm not even tired. I'm ready to go. I didn't take a nap all day and I've had maybe two cups of coffee, but like, I let's go. I was shocked. She was so alert. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I was very surprised, but I was glad for it because who wouldn't have been able to be awake like that? Because it was, loud it was energetic and for game two it was even more crowded than game one and it started out totally different um the storm achieved a great lead early on super just set the tone for the entire game putting up a double double with 18 points four rebounds and 10 assists and the storm came out on top in game two with a score of 97 to 84 now that score we did have like a 10 point kind of lead in the beginning for a little bit there. And then it would kind of got closer together. And then we got a lead the again. The Storm got are a little together, bit notorious for giving up a 10 point lead. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. And so it always makes things interesting. Like you they'll keep you on like, your toes. Oh, you just, man. you never, you never get comfortable. And that should be the world of sports, right? You never get comfortable. You play your hardest yeah. from start to finish. You don't let up. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a game two was also a great game. Totally. Sue electric. Bird vibes. So now good. I will say game two with Sue Bird. Oh my gosh. She was, she was on it. She, you can tell that she has been in these circumstances throughout her entire career yeah. at yeah. the WNBA level at the Olympic level. She handles these situations so well, so well. And she lives up to that moment. And to watch Sue Bird, and it did, it made me emotional watching when she stole mm -hmm. that ball. It was getting really close to the end of the oh game. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And it was the momentum shift, and I think the entire crowd and the storm knew it. In that moment, that was a momentum shift that they needed to know mm -hmm. that they were going to come out with a win in that game. Yeah. And Sue Bird stole the ball, and she took it for a layup. And she was, her energy and the way she went off and the way the crowd went off. It was off, huge. That was the moment of the game. Mm -hmm. That was the moment of the game for me. And to hear her post-game interview. Oh, yeah, that was great. Oh, my gosh. Her talking about um, just saying how, like, they were getting notifications Delta for notifications Delta to go to, to Washington. Because if they didn't win game two, they would have had to fly over to Washington yeah. 
to play Play game game three. three. Yeah. And so she's like, you know, the team's getting these notifications to check in. She's like, we're not checking in because we're not going to go. Yeah. And so that was just cool to hear her post game interview to talk about that. It was pretty, it was pretty great. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were able to be there for it and everything worth noting and, and important to mention. Um, Gabby Williams did go out, I believe it was the third quarter, um, for concussion protocol. And she ended up with a concussion, I suppose, as, as what I'm remembering. And so not sure, kind of, I haven't heard a lot of status update on that yet, but hopefully she'll be able to be back, um, in time for, um, the next round of the playoffs because the storm will be taking on the Las Vegas aces in the semifinals and Gabby Williams is a, is, is she's 100% necessary. She's key as a starter because her speed and how she can just get that ball down the court. Like it's, it's definitely needed because in this round two, um, it's going to be the best of five. So three out of five, you will get you to move on to the finals. Now the storm, um, you know, they are a great, a great team and they're going to have to travel to Vegas for the first two games of the series. That's going to take place on August 28th and August 31st. And then, you know, they obviously are going to have to play at least one game at climate pledge to, um, to kind of come through to that three out of five. And that first game at climate pledge is going to be on September 4th. Now the aces are currently the, they've been the number one seed. Yeah. Like pretty much this whole time. Yeah. End of regular season. Number one seed. They're a great team. We've played them before. We've We've beat them them before. before. Um, but they have, they've also come out with dominant wins over the storm. Yeah. So they've got some good coverage. I mean, Kelsey Plum sticks to Sue Bird, like, like nothing, like she's, she's on it, you know, they so have, there, there's going to be seven in this game, the, oh, the yeah. aces in the storm. There are seven first round draft picks that are going to be playing in these playoffs. Yeah. It's the first time there's been that many, f- not first round first, first overall first draft overall picks. Yeah in the playoffs playing against each other. Mm-hmm. And so that just tells you the quality of players that the storm and the aces yeah, have. Geez. There's nothing but respect for the aces. They're a good team. Yeah. And to me, this is going to feel more like the finals than let's say the storm come out with mm-hmm. that series and they go to like the aces are the team to beat. Yeah. This game is, I mean, the mystics have like one of the best defenses. So the fact that we could, could kind of go up against them, I mean, just in this last, in this last series, oh, it was amazing. And so with the aces, I mean, it was great practice for us to head into, I say us, like I'm playing great practice for them to head into this next, this next series with the aces. So keep an eye out on the 20th and the 31st for those games. If you can get to the one at climate pledge, I know tickets are on sale for the yeah. September 4th game. And I like, we need everybody it's, there. We it, need people there. They've talked about how the energy from the crowd makes a difference. And if you, I, I know there was a couple folks I, you know, we've heard from that. It was their first, they went to the last game and it was their first game storm game going ever. And they were like amazed by how, the by energy. how vibrant and like, honestly, electric, it just, it just is it's it's amazing. You so, want to call something the electric factory. That's what I'm climate I mean, pledge for the Seattle storm. That's what I'm trying to say, but without trying to say it. So thank you for doing that. 100%. So show up, be there. I'll tell you something. Even Jewel Lloyd stated mm-hmm. that she feeds off the energy that is in climate pledge. And yeah. she was sinking threes. Like it was nobody's oh, it was, business. It was beautiful. So show up, be there for the storm. Gorgeous. That being said, we're going to head over to the Seahawks. Do it. The Seahawks will take on the Dallas Cowboys in their final preseason game. 
this Friday, August 26th. There's a lot of August 26th games coming up. There's a bunch of stuff coming up. So there's <sighs> still a lot of things that the coaching staff has to evaluate when it comes to who's going to be their starting roster, their team. Mm-hmm. And specifically when it comes to the, who their starting quarterback is going to be. Will it be Geno Smith? Will it be Drew Locke? Mm-hmm. I mean, week one, they're playing the Denver Broncos. So making that decision is going to be imperative to really set the tone regardless yeah. of what happens game one. Um, so we're going to s- discuss more about that game, more about the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And guess what's coming back this week? The Hawkeye analysis. Boop, boop. So we will break that down coming up next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Hawkeye analysis. Uh, yeah, it's back. It's it was back. the She Talks Hawks while we were on like in between the season. But now we're back to analyzing with an eye of a hawk, specifically a Seahawk <laughs> for the Hawkeye analysis. Yeah, this is why I'm not in charge of this part and you are. Anyways, all right. So the Hawkeye analysis really allows me to kind of break down what we're seeing with the Seahawks, their development, what needs to happen or change as we approach new games. Mm -hmm. And so as we're approaching the final preseason game against Dallas, there are still plenty of things that these coaches need to evaluate, as I stated in the showdown lowdown segment Mm -hmm. for the Seahawks. So we are going to break down and kind of go through what needs to be addressed before game one of the actual season against the Denver Broncos? Yeah. So let's start with the probably the most, the biggest question on everybody's minds. Who wins the QB battle? Gino or Drew? So here's the deal. I think that I, I truly do believe that the fans want Drew Locke. Sure. And I think that in game one, he showed a lot of promise and reason why fans want to lean into him. The Seahawks traded for him, obviously, in that Russell Wilson trade. Yeah. There was, he has the promise and the ability to develop. Sure. Um, He has a huge arm. He can be mobile. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of development that needs to happen there. In game one, we also saw him in you know, kind of the final minutes where he could have potentially helped us secure a win against the Steelers, Mm. not make an adjustment on the line to help protect himself. He ends up getting sacked and fumbled Mm. and it was recovered by the Steelers. So those are the kinds of things that need to also be addressed when you're Mm. a quarterback. And if you can't see those things and you can't make the adjustments, it can be a really long season. Mm -hmm. When you have somebody like Geno Smith, who has a lot more years of experience He got some starting time last season when he had to fill in for Russell Wilson. Knows the playbook. He knows the playbook. He's had experience with the starters in real game time situations. It's going to be really, really difficult to come out on top for Drew Luck. And it wasn't helpful Mm. that he came down with COVID. Yeah. He was supposed to start the game against the Bears. Yeah. Obviously, he was a Mm no-go. Geno Smith got more time. And people are being pretty hard on Gino. There were a lot of drops in that game. Sure. Nobody that was Gino's supporting cast in that game helped make him look better or that he should win the job. So that's not helpful. Gotcha. Gotcha. So other people could have been making errors or having issues with their own position, but because it involved like a pass or something like that, it, it made it look bad for Gino too. 100%. Gotcha. Okay. So 
going into game three of the preseason against Dallas, Pete Carroll keeps saying, expect Drew Locke to, he needs a lot more game time. He needs a lot more time on the field. Yeah. It would make sense, in my opinion, that they would start Drew Locke simply for the fact that they need to see him more on the field. Mm -hmm. But also, if you want to rest and protect the quarterback that you think might be starting against Denver. True. There can be a flip side here. Typically, starters Mm -hmm. in game three will get more time because they want them to have more time on the field to build that cohesive mentality to know what's going on so it doesn't look like it was the first time they played together in game one yeah that makes sense so i personally think that the seahawks will go geno smith week one against denver i think that they wouldn't want to put drew Locke in that situation unless he completely shows out against dallas and if he gets time with the starting team offensively Mm -hmm. and he blows everybody's mind Mm -hmm. I just don't see Pete Carroll putting Drew Locke in the situation against Russell Wilson week one, his former team with the Broncos, and putting him in that high pressure pressure situation. Mm -hmm. I can see him wanting to go with Geno Smith that week, see how that goes. And I also do not think that Carroll would be hesitant to switch things up if things weren't going well. Yeah, He keeps stating that, hey, we might have two starting quarterbacks on our hands a lot of people questioning that take, mm, right? Mm. Do you really have two starting quarterbacks or are you just saying you, we have two have backup two that you start quarterbacks that could potentially got. start yeah. because it could both be backup quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. We will see how he navigates that. He's, Of course, he doesn't like to show his cards. Mm-hmm. We might not know, you know, obviously until after the game against Dallas on Friday, they probably need to review some film and kind of see some things. Sure. But I do think that needs to be solidified sooner than later. Mm -hmm. The offense needs to know who their leader is going to be under center. Yeah. And they need to get as much practice in as possible leading into that Broncos uh, game week one. And again, my bet is on Geno Smith as much as fans might want to see Drew Locke out there um, starting week one. All right. So what about uh, the wide receiver three position? Who is that going to be? So this one's kind of up in the air. You know, they have Penny Hart. They have Marquise Goodwin, who he's been kind of dealing with a little bit of an injury, but he has Mm -hmm. a lot of speed. Mm -hmm. D. Eskridge, who was our second-round draft pick, he didn't get as much time as people had hoped last season. Yeah. So Freddie Swain really Mm -hmm. stepped into that spot. This one just feels so kind of meh to me, which is kind of a weird way to describe it. Sure. And because I feel like any of the wide receivers that we have could potentially just kind of step into that role. I don't really see like a standout wide receiver three option here. Now I'm still high on Bo Melton, who was a draft pick this season. I think that he could have, I feel like he's a mixture. And I've said this before Mm -hmm. of a Doug Baldwin, uh, Tyler Lockett kind of mix there that, yeah, that's, that's fun. Seeing him in open space is really fun to watch. So I don't think they'll necessarily have him be wide receiver three at this point. I could see them sticking with Freddie Swain, Marquise Goodwin, just because they've had experience now as, you know, on that starting roster, um, filling in that spot. But I really hope that Bo Melton kind of rises to the top there throughout the season as he gets more reps with the team. Yeah, that's fun. I mean, and it's got to be hard for some of these rookies coming on too because you're not all going to be getting, you know, starting spot in the games and 
all that. You so. might be playing special teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they again, we talk about the speed that this team has picked up, especially through the draft. And so when you have speed, that helps on special teams because they can run down the field really fast, mm-hmm. make those tackles. But again, it will be really curious because they also have Derek Young, who had mm-hmm. four receptions yeah. for 30 yards and a touchdown week one. True. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to see about that one. So the other kind of question is like the running back situation. Now, the running back room has had a hard time being healthy kind of historically. So what is happening with the running backs? I'm really surprised, to be honest, to mm. see how um, Travis Homer yeah. and DJ Dallas have mm-hmm. come on so strong this preseason. They have been dominant. Travis Homer looks like he's bulked up quite a bit. Yeah, he did look different when we were at um, training camp. They look like they have both of them have a different style of run game now. They look mm. more physical. I don't mm-hmm. know. Again, I want to say the AP effect, Adrian Peterson coming in late mm. in the season last year how Rashad Penny went off when after AP showed up. Mm-hmm. Here's Travis Homer and DJ Dallas that are showing a more physical style of play. Yeah. I don't know if it's the AP effect. I don't know who their mentors have been yeah. here, but I'm actually gaining a lot of confidence in this running back room. Okay. Of course, you know, it sounds like now that Rashad Penny's back, he's been ripping huge gains off in, in training camp. Okay. So I'm really hoping he can continue where he left off last season. And if if he does, do not sleep on him in fantasy football. Mm -hmm. You know, if he can stay Mm -hmm. healthy, he's going to rip off some massive yardage. And our offensive line has shown that they can run block. So just be prepared to pick up some Seahawks running backs, especially this season in fantasy, because I think we're going to run a lot more than we have in the recent years. Yeah, and you speaking about the offensive line, the O-line there, we, I mean, it's been a criticism for a while that we haven't had a great O-line. So what's your take on it for this season? I mean, I've been very impressed in the preseason games from Abe Lucas, who was a third-round pick for us, and, of course, Charles Cross. So left and right tackle, you have those Mm -hmm. quarterbacks protecting the edge. And um, did I say cornerbacks? I Oh my gosh! I don't know. I don't now that now that you're asking me, it's like a total blank. So let's it's say okay. That, let's say that you we just have said the it left correctly. and the left and right tackles protecting the edge, and I'm really excited to see how they do during the real season. Yeah, I I would be shocked if Abe Lucas didn't win the right tackle job because mm, okay. he's been battling it out a little yeah. bit. Jake Curran, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. So I would be really excited if we had. A really young line. I'm really, I'm grateful mm-hmm. for Damian Lewis that yeah. his injury that he had against the Bears yep. was not season ending because I'll tell you something. The moment you hear air cast yeah. and a cart's on the field, you almost you almost feel like it's an automatic season ending injury. Yeah, it's scary. So it's been great news to mm-hmm. hear that there's mm-hmm. no structural, you know, in that way, like damage, broken bones, anything like that. He should be able to come back. There isn't necessarily a specific timeline, but it will not be season ending. And I'm really excited to see this offensive line this season. Well, I'm I'm excited too. So, I mean, whoever quarterback is going to be, they should have probably more time than they've had in the past. So that O-line is looking a lot better. I will be honest and say that as much as, you know, we all have feelings about Russell Wilson leaving, I am kind of sad that if we happen to get an offensive line that gives a lot of time for passing, 
yeah. that he wouldn't have gotten the opportunity because I wonder what that would have looked like with receivers like Tyler Lockett, yeah. DK Metcalf yes. getting open. Mm-hmm. But we're in the situation. Now is a better time than ever because if you have quarterbacks that need that time, a little mm-hmm. bit more time to make their reads, yep. this is best case scenario for them. Absolutely. So we'll see how that goes. Now, in, on the other side, uh, with defense, we've had some trouble with tackling in these last two uh, preseason matches. So two preseason matches. We've had mm-hmm. two, right? Yeah, okay. Got lost for a second. So what what's going on with all that? I don't really know. You know, you talk about technique and just like having basic fundamentals Mm -hmm. being clean in that way. You know, Bobby Wagner would preach it about just being consistent with the basics and the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And of course, Bobby Wagner's now with with the Rams, but the fundamentals Mm -hmm. are the key components. I don't care whether you're second or third string or you're battling it out to get a main roster spot you need to be technically sound. Mm -hmm. And somebody in the game against the Bears that was not was unfortunately a former second-round draft pick, Marquise Blair, who Mm -hmm. has dealt with injuries the last few seasons. I was really hyped on him when we selected him. He was a second-round draft pick. And he had five missed tackles, Mm -hmm. four or five. And that's just not okay. Um, I know that Pete Carroll, they cut a linebacker who they had picked up in free agency this year. Mm. People were not expecting that, but he wasn't making technically sound tackles. So mm-hmm. he's not playing around when it comes to being playing sound football and whether yeah. or not he'll keep you on the roster. You got to show up and you got to do your business and you got to yeah. be good at what you're doing. I remember when we first kind of got together and I was, you know, we were watching sports together a lot with with football. And one of the things that would drive you crazy is with the tackling and you'd be like, wrap them up. You got to wrap them up and like, try to like, make sure you actually get the guy taken down. And so it seems as much as I love those hard hitting hits, like you're not cam chancellor, like cam Mm -hmm. chancellor was a very special player that like, yeah, if his body like rocked into you, you're Mm -hmm. going down. Good luck. (laughs) But not many players have that kind of, they're not the enforcer, you know? Yeah. And so please wrap them up. Don't just try to hit them hard, like tackle them. Yeah. Tackle them. Mm-hmm. it's really cool seeing those hard hitting plays where you're like, Ooh, and you just like cringe for the player who got hit. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Watch some rugby show. I was like, go talk to the sea wolves. Yes. A hundred percent. Go work. With go them. talk to the sea wolves and work with them on tackling. Absolutely. Wrap them up. It would, it would help. Now let's move over to linebacker. Right. So let's, what about our depth over there? I am so concerned about the depth. Yeah. We have Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, who yeah. I honestly, I'm not that high on. I I feel like he's a second string linebacker and he's going to be filling in as a starter, you know, and then we have players like, okay, who can fill in at linebacker? I always think about them as more coming off the edge, but you talk about Daryl Taylor possibly coming in and filling in um, a little bit. He has a lot of speed. He is amazing. I love Daryl Taylor, his Mm -hmm. energy. Yeah. I mean, he brings it. He has personality. Yes. And then Boya Mafe, you know how they might bring him into that liner ba- linebacker role sure. a little bit here and there. He has a lot of speed. He showed up for preseason. Mm-hmm. He had a little bit of a shoulder issue, though, coming okay. out of the preseason game. So they yeah. got to nurse that a little bit. We'll see how that goes through the season. Yeah. If they rest him this next game, you got to be really cautious with those shoulder injuries Shoulders because are, they, yeah. they use that all the time. Like, yeah. So um, I'm really concerned about that linebacker depth, and I don't know how they're going to fill it. Well, I guess that is a mystery to soon hopefully be solved. 
Now, okay, we've talked about a lot of positions, but let's go to cornerbacks. Who are the starting CBs for us? Ooh, see, I really want so bad. Like, I'm somebody that loves having rookies start because number one, that tells you one of two things: either you draft, you drafted really, really well, yeah, and you have a lot of rookies starting because mm-hmm. you just did that good yeah. in the draft, or it's telling you that you don't have much depth and mm-hmm. you have a lot of holes, and so you have to plug in where you can. Now, for the Seahawks. I have been high on Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant to be starters. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because I think they're having Kobe Bryant fill in more of that nickel nickel role. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. He'll get some playing time there. It was one of the positions that Ugo Mm -hmm. um, Amadi would play. And, of course, they sent him off. Um, He's no longer on the team. They traded him. But I do believe to start, if Artie Burns is healthy, he came um, from the Bears. Mm -hmm. And I believe Artie Burns don't – well, I'm going to say it. Don't quote me on it. I think he was a former first-round draft pick. Okay. But he came over from the Bears, which, of course, our defensive staff, you know, to have that experience, I could see him starting corner. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, Sidney Jones would pick up where he left off last season. He did pretty decent in coverage yeah. that he would start on the left side. Artie Burns on the right side. Now, Tariq Woolen yeah. had a really good game in, against the Bears. He you know, didn't give up any explosive plays like he did in the first game where he said he had some of those jitters. Yeah. He cleaned that stuff up. Yeah. He's been sticky on DK Metcalf through training camp. Yep. So I'm really curious to see who wins out that job. Yeah. And honestly, like I'm kind of bringing up that point about uh, Tariq Woolen again, like I just, I feel like it would be nerve wracking to, go- I mean, I know it's like it's preseason, right? But it's, it would be, it's such a big difference from college. You know, and so for these guys, I, I think it's hard because we want to kind of analyze and criticize and all the kinds of, well, we don't really criticize as much, but um, analyze all the things, but these guys, like it's, that's, it's a lot, right? So I'm glad that, I'm glad that he showed out a little bit more in the second one with the bears for sure. Me too. Now we've had penalty stuff, right? Like penalty issues. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to kind of clean that up? This is one of the areas that really like did not help Geno Smith mm. in last week's game mm-hmm. in terms of being able to convert when penalties happen and then yeah. it brings things back and then you lose it down and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So that's kind of something that needs to be not kind of a hundred percent needs to be addressed. I feel like the Seahawks have been notorious yeah. for years of having penalties that mm-hmm. just can sometimes lose them the game. Mm-hmm. And if they can clean those up, offensive line needs to figure it out yeah you know no no holding penalties no yeah false you know false starts yeah all of those things can impact you know the ability to convert for a first down Mm -hmm. so you got to do something about it yeah so hopefully that gets uh that gets addressed because i agree with you it's it's frustrating to see things that are that feel sloppy, you know, that feel like you can't get the momentum. Like, right. You convert for first down and it's really exciting. And the play was awesome. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's coming back. That just completely kills the momentum moving forward. And that's like three and outs hard. It's hard for fans. It's hard for the team. It's hard for like everybody involved, Mm -hmm. right? You gotta, if you want to control the clock, you got to continue to get first downs. You you need to just continue to move the ball. Mm -hmm. You got to, run it you got to get the first downs all of that stuff Move the chains move the chains <laughs> and if you want to keep your defense off the field 
and yeah. get them as much rest as they need, you got to own yeah. the ball Yep. on offense. Well, I'm looking forward to Friday's game to see how any of this stuff has improved or changed or, you know, who's out on the field, who's getting more playing time. And, and just- I'm really excited because I'll actually get to watch this one live. Yeah. The first two we didn't get to watch live. We had them recorded and we were able to watch bits and pieces, but it's not the same. But Friday, you can guarantee that you will see some tweets from me <laughs> live during the game. Hopefully she's calling people sexy or something because Probably. that's usually that's when good things thing. are going well. <laughs> 100%. I love it. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the Hawkeye analysis. Coming up next is the mailbag segment. You've got mail. Something like that. Well, welcome to the mailbag segment where we answer your questions. And we do the best we can to make sure they are hopefully correct answers. Something. I don't know. Let's just get to it. How about that? <laughs> it's a it's a shallow mailbag today, but that's okay. We have a question from Genevieve Collier. And it is, how successful have teams been with two starting QBs? Is Jacob Eason a hidden gem or just had a good drive, even without a touchdown? Also, my mother wants to know why baseball guys are built different. Those jaws. This is hilarious, first of all. There's like multiple parts to this. So there is. I mean, maybe gonna... let's start with the QB part and then we'll get to the mom part after. After. Okay. That so, sounds like the fun part anyway. How successful have teams been with two starting quarterbacks? To be honest, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, so the only tandem that I could think of would be, you know, when Drew Brees was, was with the Saints and they had Taysom Hill and they would be able to do these kind of trick plays sure and be able to use hill in ways that other people couldn't Mm -hmm. and but you have to have those plays specifically drawn up it's not about like one quarterback is starting half the games the other quarterback is starting the other half it's really about leveraging them within i would say the actual game sure and the difference is that Taysom hill could also play receiver very well, you know, Mm. fullback. He would play in these other positions that Mm. they could count on him to be successful in. So he was more of a jack of all trades versus a full-time quarterback, which he did try to step into that role and it just didn't fully pan out for him in that capacity. So I would say that it's not necessarily ideal to have more than one quote starting quarterback and kind of switching them in and out. You need to have the consistency with your offensive line, the the yeah. communication style with your wide receivers, they need one leader behind center mm-hmm. calling those plays, practicing with them week in and week out. Yeah. It's really hard to split those reps. And so I would say that it's not necessarily um, the most successful route to go. Okay. And as for Jacob Eason, you know, I do think that it was a decent drive. I think that any yeah. quarterback that comes in can have one of those decent drives. But I do want to make note that he is also not playing against starters, which is an important note to make. It's right? true. In the preseason, you don't always have the starters out there all the time because you're saving them. So I wouldn't necessarily call him a hidden gem at this point. Sure. It's not to say that he couldn't be, but he also hasn't gotten many reps at the NFL level. He's had five total before he came to Seattle for a regular season game. Yeah. And I think he went like two for five with 20 yards or something. It wasn't that that many. Um, So, you know, it's a give or take. Mm -hmm. I feel like 
hopefully my bias doesn't come through as a cougar because he oh, did play at yeah, UW. That's a good point. And I'm a huge Gardner Minshew fan, so also I can't, true. you know, but he's also seen more reps out there and he has more stats to back him up in that way to it's, say he's a starter. Yeah, it's hard to get the experience if you don't get the chance to have it. It's like when you go for a job and they're like, you need experience for this job. And you're like, but I'm trying to get experience by getting this job. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So with that being said, let's get to mom's question of why baseball guys are built different and those jobs. I don't really have a good answer for that, but I understand, like, I understand what she's saying. Like every athlete has a different, like a different physical Different sports seem style, to require right? Require maybe different muscle groups in a different. The ways only or one practices that really doesn't have a very unique specific type, I would say, rugby. 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 There's a there's it a does position not, for literally anybody. Hun- no matter what your body, yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter what your body looks like, what you your got, size is, there's a place for you on a rugby you got team. Big tall folks. You got small folks. You got. Uh, folks of all sizes out there, really. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, baseball, it does seem there's jaws, a little bit of a I'm going to have thing. to pay a little bit more attention to their jaws now. It's like the chiseled. Is it a chiseled of, look? The thing is with football, like they wear helmets. So we so don't get, you to, don't see them that get often. to see what their faces look like. And that was one of the things I realized when we went to the game last year and got to sit. We sat really close, um, kind of like behind the bench, the Seahawks bench. And I was like, oh, that's what that guy looks like. Because mm. I'm like, I don't know. You know, they wear helmets all the time. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe because baseball, I mean, they wear a helmet, but it just only when they're batting and it only covers part of their face. The one thing I do have to say is there was mm-hmm. uh, what, there was a time when there was a player mm-hmm. who did not have, and this is in baseball, they did not have a helmet or their ball cap on. Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't recognize them because their hair was a lot longer than I thought it was. Was it like real life or TV? It was re- it was like TV. So oh, okay. they had it off. It was the moment. It was a Sam Haggerty moment. I didn't realize his hair was like as long as it was. And I was a little confused about who it was initially. But oh, yeah, he yeah. had like, you know, scored. He was running really fast coming into home. And his helmet, he didn't have his helmet on. It was like off and he was like really pumped up. And you just see like this headband. And that, that maybe the headband threw me off a little sure, bit too. Sure. But you saw this headband with this hair like just kind of flown back a little bit. And mm. I didn't realize Sam Haggerty's hair like was God. like, it's not like super long, but it's well, yeah. longer than I anticipated. Well, and that's the thing with hats, right? Like and hair in general really changes what somebody looks like. So that's... That's a really great point. Yeah. Hats, helmets, all these things. We don't know who you are, but we can see your jawlines, baseball players, and apparently they're great, according to Genevieve Collier's mom. So thank you for that question or those questions. That was pretty fun, actually. Let's go over to Rick Judd. Rick Judd said, who had the best sneaker game from the storm this season? So... Kate, go ahead and take this one away because we all I know mean, that you're like the sneaker head now amongst the two of us. I don't know if we all know that, but if people follow me on Twitter every so often, not every game, I'm trying not to be like annoying about it, but um, I've been kind of like intrigued by the shoes. I've talked about it on the show and stuff before that the players wear. And I think, I mean, to answer Rick's question, and I'm sure Rick would agree with me because he seems like a real smart guy, um, <laughs> is that, I mean, Sue Bird's, shoe game this season has been great. She wears, uh, she rotates in and out a lot of different pairs of shoes. A lot of them are her shoes, like her collabs that she's done with Kyrie Irving and things like that. Um, and so that's been kind of fun to see like which pair she's wearing. Um, 
I got one of her uh, collab pairs this year, like the greenish mint one. Um, and I was excited about that. And Jewel Lloyd came out with a collab with Kyrie Irving um, just this summer. Um, so I got that because I love Jewel Lloyd as well. I think though, in terms of like, they both have had collabs, which is great. And shoe, Sue's overall shoe wardrobe, so to speak, I think is it's pretty solid. Is just, I mean, even when she's not on the court, it's pretty awesome. But Brianna Stewart has a shoe coming out with Puma. It's coming out in the fall. Um, some folks already have it. Some like fancy people, I guess, already have it. And um, the first one is called the Stewie one. The first one that came out was kind of like a like neon green, like very bright green and black um, shoe. And then there's also a black one that's coming out. And then in this last game, um, she was wearing what appeared to be maybe a gray and black variant of that shoe. And so I think from my memory, this is the first like signature shoe for a woman basketball player in like over 10 years. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and no shade meant at Brianna Stewart in this moment, but like the fact that Sue Bird didn't have her own signature shoe, um, to me is amazing because I'm like, I mean, you would think, but, but her collabs with the Kyrie Irving shoe has been pretty great too. So, um, but big props to Brianna Stewart for that, because that's a huge, a huge thing for these players to be getting these types of deals and endorsements, you know, 100% women's basketball, obviously, as everybody knows, you know, the players aren't paid as much. Um, the seasons aren't as long, like all those kinds of things. Like, so if these women can make, um, additional these deals, they can deals. get that additional financial compensation and then, you know, and their name out into the world mm -hmm. and people falling in love with their product, but yep. also then following, falling in love with who they are as yeah. people and then who they are as players and then coming yeah. out and supporting women's sports or women's basketball yeah. or women's soccer or whatever sport it is in any order that we're getting these women's names out here mm -hmm. and they deserve all of the love. And yeah. I'll be honest, I'm probably going to get that Brianna Stewart, the bright neon green. Like if you get basketball shoes, they got to stand out. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they, and they do stand out. They do stand out. So they're very, uh, very good like that. And I think if you want ones that don't stand out as much, she's got those other variants coming as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Rick Judd, for that. Now, we have a uh, last question for our mailbag is from um, at Forksville. And I totally read that wrong in my head. So I'm really grateful that Michaela told me that it was Forksville because I was trying to figure out like four KSville. Like I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was like, is it Kentucky State Kids? I don't know. Whatever. So sorry, Forksville, but I'm glad that my wife knew more than I did. Um, but Forksville asks, is it just me or does Elena Deladon seem like she's dropping hints that she wants to be in Seattle to play for the storm? First of all, what an amazing player. First she of all. is incredible. And if somehow in the, the basketball gods world that she yeah. came and played for Seattle, that would be incredible. I mean, wow. Now she is under contract through mm -hmm. next season. So mm -hmm. more than likely, obviously, unless there was some massive trade that happened or went down, would she not be with the Mystics next year? Yeah. We also, you know, we don't know the status of Brianna Stewart. Yeah. She's on a one-year deal. Jewel Lloyd. Yeah. You know, we have some stars that we need to also maintain and keep here. Now, mm -hmm. Brianna Stewart could go to the New York Liberty. She had no. discussions this offseason. No. no. She's from New York. Could she go home? Stay here. We want her to stay here. Stay here, Brianna but Stewart. But it would be interesting to see, mm -hmm. you know, 
Oh my gosh. I just, I was so scared every time Della Dawn got the ball. She's she so good. Just, you couldn't defend her. And you it know, was frustrating because you're like, I mean, that was a really good shot. You know, like, it like was you hard. can't hate on her. She's a really, really solid basketball yeah. player. And it was interesting because I read up today mm -hmm. that she was actually out the last two seasons for quite a few games due to back issues. Mm -hmm. And so she's really gotten this season a lot more healthier. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it showed on the court. And yeah. it showed why she's imperative to have on a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so we haven't heard anything specific about her or any hints at potentially wanting to come to Seattle. You might have seen something that we haven't. So if you have, don't totally hesitate to like us send know. us whatever information that was that you saw. And we'll read into it yeah. probably as much as you are. Um, yeah. But at this point, we do know that she's under contract through next season. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, the Internet's a big place. It's hard to find it all. So that's it for our mailbag. Thanks for thanks for sitting, sending in your questions. And just like every week, feel free to send in more. Yeah. And this kind of leads or us whenever. to the end of the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. Oh, Kate, where can they find us? We are on Facebook, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. We're in all those places. I'm trying to do a decent job. Um, but, you know, uh, Twitter is probably the most actively used. So be sure to check us out over there for all of that. Um, Instagram, we get good story updates when we go to games and things like that. I'm still apparently not great at posting, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to work on it. So thank you for joining us on uh, episode 35. And as always, take care of your heart and mind above all else. Until next time. Welcome to our Marvel moment. Sorry, not anyway. That sort of diminished to the beginning. And actually, that was pretty good. So if you hear the clickety-clacketing, oh my gosh. It's our so dog. since before we get to the fun part here, um, yeah, as we as you may know, we've been doing this remodel in our house. And so that's kind of partially why we've had less podcasts, is just like lack of space or silence or anything else. Well, we put in different flooring, um, and the dog has nails that go clickety clickety clack even when they're like not that long all, all over the floor. So um, if you ever hear clickety clacketing, it's our dog. It's the dog and, walking around. Um, we don't know if you can hear it or not, but we can hear it. So 
just you could probably you hear. might be able to hear it. So it's not like a metronome or some sort of cool beat we're trying to drop. It's just the our dog. dog probably scrounging and looking for crumbs. Let's be honest. So, Michaela, yeah, I um, I was trying to figure something out, and I didn't know if you would know, but um, I just kind of wanted to know, like, what would you call a factory that makes like okay products? Um, mediocre. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Richard Sherman. Okay. No. Oh. Yeah, would it be Richard Sherman that would have been mad about that? Don't ever like mediocre. Yeah, for a second Doug I thought you were trying Doug to say Baldwin, one of the two. I thought you were trying to say that Richard Sherman was mediocre, and I was about to be like he's oh, even mad no. at you. No, nope. not nope. what you meant. Nope, not what you meant. Well, okay. Well, I think a factory that makes just like okay things, you would call that a satisfactory. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. That was you. that was good. That's good stuff. That laughter cut off abruptly. Okay. Um, what what about you? You got anything for me today? I got a better one. Oh, folks, it's better. It's, she says. Uh, all right. What did baby corn say to mama corn? Can I have a unicorn? No. Oh. Where's popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> Really, he was just wondering where uh, his daddy, Russell Wilson, was at. Oh. Hashtag corny. That's actually pretty funny. Oh, it is. See, that's how funny it is. Oh, my gosh. So fun. So fun. I like the jokes. The jokes are fun. One day we'll do one of those YouTube videos where we tell dad jokes back and forth, and we'll see who oh, gets try the not best to laugh. laugh. Yep. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. We're going to do that one day. Stay I, tuned uh, for that. I will start collecting jokes Yep, for that. I love it. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in this long and sticking around to the end. And uh, just remember, regular episodes have a Marvel moment. Some of our bonus, like shorter interview ones, don't always have it. So don't get disappointed. Don't be disappointed on the short ones. If there's no Marvel moment, we save those for the long episodes. Sometimes uh, Marvel moments have special giveaways and things. So, That's you know, it's too. always worth a good listen. And just in case there's like a code word that tells you that you could win a gift card or something like that to Simply Seattle. There's not one of those today. There but... is not. But sometimes <laughs> there is. So you got to stay but tuned sometimes. and listen in all the way. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Pacific Northwest Showdown podcast. We're out.